my listeners, welcome back. We are continuing the conversation with Dr. Joe Coughlin from the MIT Age Lab. Dr. Joe, let's turn our attention to the longevity economy. This is the name of the book that you've uh, authored, but it's a phrase that maybe isn't familiar to all of our listeners. What does the longevity economy mean? The longevity economy is about the aging population, essentially an emerging market hiding in plain sight. And many of us, in fact, all of us at some point want to be part of it. We define it roughly as the 50 plus, not just in terms of our pure numbers, but our buying power. And here's the secret to the longevity economy. It's not just about the fact that it's the fastest growing population, not just the United States, but worldwide. It's not about the fact that in the United States alone, it controls 70%, 70% of the buying power in the in, uh, U.S. economy, or, or frankly, it makes up the third largest economy in the world after the GDP of U.S. and China. It's also about expectations. And the longevity economy is about a new generation of older people that believe that there's a pill, a product, a policy, uh, an experience that's going to make living longer better. And the longevity economy is about what are the products, the services, the experiences that have yet to be created to envision a new future of old age. Our parents were much more polite. They expected to have to wait for that van to pick them up, to take them to get a haircut, or hope their grandchildren would come visit. I submit to you that the next generation of older adults, the, the, especially the, the younger boomers, the, the Gen Xers that are clicking in their 50s overall, frankly, I have to tell you, we're not nearly as polite. We expect that there will be technology or something to make things better. So the longevity economy is about how can government and industry come together to create new experiences to meet not just the needs, but the wants of old age. When you refer to this as an emerging market, is that because up till now, it, it's a, a demographic that just hasn't been thought of when it comes to that production, those services, products, or is it also in combination with kind of the, the size and growth of this group of people? So I'll give you a short answer. The answer is yes. So it's not just about the size and growth. That, that's kind of, you know, you can find that in the New York Times headlines when they talk about aging and demography. But the other part of it is, is that this is a population that has always been ignored. Think about this. 70% of the U.S. spending power is in the hands of the 50 plus and only commands two, maybe 3% of advertising dollars. There's this mythology out there that at a certain age, believe it or not, it's almost as young as 35, that you no longer change brands, you don't like technology, you don't like anything new, that once we lock you into our brand and our experience, we've got you for life. I would ask you, how do the American automobile manufacturers fare with that kind of thinking, uh, given how the boomers that may have been brought up with American brands very much changed to foreign brands overall? So as a result, companies now are having to really think about, gee, old age is not about just medications and blood pressure monitors and really cool walkers. No, we have to create a whole new lifestyle, new ways of looking at housing and travel and education and, and just, you know, in polite company. The F word, fun. You never really think about fun other than a cruise ship with about a norovirus for an aging population. There has to be so much more. So it's an emerging market because we've always ignored it. We've always defined old age as a problem to be solved rather than an opportunity to be achieved. 
And frankly, we've ignored the fact that this is now the most educated, wealthy generation of older people in history. When you work with businesses, government organizations, non-government organizations, and you're sharing this information, is that how that gap gets filled? Is it kind of just this information reminding companies and, and these these groups of people that this demographic is huge and it sounds like largely untapped? Well, you know, unfortunately, even those who are well-educated and know better you know, data are not always convincing. We find a way to fit data into our story. And as I write in my book, The Longevity Economy, the story of old age is made up. And, and hear me out for a second. Old age is made up because we uh, uh, essentially have bought into a story worldwide, by the way, uh, that was written by British medicine in the 1800s and early 1900s, that you were born with a certain amount of vital force or vital energy. And over time, you would drain it down. In fact, if you did anything, especially if it was fun, you would drain that energy down even faster so that you'd become what? You'd become tired. You would become a glass half empty rather than a glass half full. And we created words around it like, well, if you get too tired to work, you would have to what? You would have to retire. And then, by the way, if you didn't have family to support you, you would be poor if you couldn't work. So we created alms homes, which believe it or not, the early 1900s, most alms homes were then converted into what we now know as nursing homes. And nursing homes transitioned into funeral homes. This story of old age is so much part of our, our vernacular. It almost became a law of physics. And so as a result, smart companies, smart businesses, smart governments still see aging as a problem rather than the fact that we've added 30 to 40 years of our life expectancy since the year 1900. So just very quickly, I'll show you. As, as I wrote in the narrative of the book, Heinz, for instance, the, the food company, the ketchup company, if you will, they even created something called Heinz Senior Foods, believing that, frankly, most older people have no teeth and no taste. So it was essentially a baby food product that old people would buy. Is to say that crashed and burned on delivery. But that story of old age is so compelling that not only are businesses misguided, but unfortunately, a lot of us in our retirement planning, we are also misguided. We assume it's a time to pull back, to retire, to wait for others to come to us, when in fact, retirement's a lot of work. You've got to work at it to be engaged, productive, and frankly, happy. In your book, you, you also refer to this group of older people as the world's most misunderstood market. When you talk to the individuals working with the MIT Age Lab, are you hearing from them that they've got, you know, they're looking for products or services or things that sort of aren't being shown their way? No, I, I, absolutely. In fact, I'll, I'll pick on a community that I work a lot with, excuse me, and, and certainly being at MIT, the T being technology, the technology industry simply doesn't get it. Have you ever thought about the fact that this is the only industry that can get away with the idea that if you don't know how to use my app or my technology device, you're stupid. You just don't get it. And that's what they've said about the entire aging population. Well, you know, they don't like technology. They don't get it. You know, they're, they're not as smart as the kids. Wait a minute. This is the group of people that invented the internet, the space program, and the genome, and they don't get it. Well, one of the misunderstandings is, is that we just assume that at a certain age, you stop learning or you stop wanting to know new things. No, the fact of the matter is, is that most industries 
have not had the innovation to create products and services that excite and delight, that are worth my time, my trouble, and frankly, my money. Do you think that that's trending in an improving direction or with, you know, kind of the rapid technological advances that we're seeing, are we headed even faster in the wrong direction when it comes to meeting the needs of this group of Americans? It's a tug of war. I mean, we still see uh, investments, for instance, in traditional senior housing that we knew even before COVID, the next generation of old were saying, no, we don't want that. Uh, but then we see improvements in the auto industry. We see new designs that are easier to read and see and understand. Some technologies that we take for granted is just for kids like tablets and whatnot actually are incredibly bought in large part by folks over 50. I mean, think about it. A tablet allows me to take off my glasses, crank up the font, and I'm using the same technology that my young daughters are using, but I can see it without the device saying old man walking. So, yeah, we're starting to see improvements and it's going to be about personalization, not shall we say age. Because here's a little bit of a thing that we've learned at the Age Lab very much. You don't want to build a product for an old man or an old woman. Why? Because a young man and a young woman won't buy it. But here's the secret. Old man and old woman will run away from it with their hair on fire as well. Because products are not just about what they do for us. They're what they say about us. How does the United States stack up with other countries internationally when it comes to this? Is kind of the perceptions and the gaps here, are those particular to our country? Or are they something that you see worldwide? Well, we, we certainly in the U.S. have a more youthful outlook on life. You know, the baby boomers now are clicking over 75. In fact, uh, my, my one of my favorite uh, characters in popular uh, music out there is Jimmy Buffett. Think about the fact that Jimmy Buffett is forever young, living on a beach, and he's 75 years old. Go figure that. So, yeah, we're, we're certainly perpetually youthful. And we're not necessarily doing any better or worse than other countries. I mean, some countries are doing amazing work in social programs. The Japanese, any time there's a problem with aging, there's a robot for that. Uh, and, and smart homes in Singapore and Scandinavia and the like. So what we're seeing is that we're seeing lots of different experiments going on but no one's really gotten in front of longevity to say, this is an opportunity to redesign an entire period of life. Your book goes into some examples of products, technology. You gave a great example about kind of the tech dashboard and a particular make of car missing the mark and then making some adjustments. Are there any examples you can share of things that you think have been wins in recent year? Has there been a, a release or a, a new service of some kind that you think really has moved the needle in a positive direction? Well, I, I would say that across, you know, let's, let's keep it focused on, on the industry that, that you and I are uh, speaking with right now, is that there is a movement out there in longevity planning to realize that this is more than finance. This is about planning your life every day, the things you will need, the healthcare, transportation, where you live. And I think that the, the, the financial services industry and Raymond James is right there at the front end is, is frankly a new frontier of how we think about longevity. There are other products out there that you would never, ever think of as being for, quote, old people, but they have the characteristics that are ageless. They're stylish. They're light. They're easy to use. You would never think of a Dyson vacuum or Dyson hairdryer as being for old people. I wouldn't either. 
but they're light. They're easy to use. Suddenly that arthritic arm is easy to dry. Well, I don't have to worry about drying hair, as you can tell, but you know, it's easier to use a light vacuum, easier to manipulate. I mentioned in tech industry, the idea that frankly, tablets and being able to personalize interfaces make it easier for all of us. Work we did with CVS and, and companies like that, rethinking the physical environment, redesigning stores so that there are lower shelves that can be reached, signs that talk about the problem to be solved rather than the product to be bought, better lighting for aging eyes. Communities being redesigned. You're right there in St. Pete, rethinking sidewalks and transit and public facilities is some of the work that we have had input into at the Age Lab. Bottom line is no one complains about a product that's too easy, too supportive of your well-being, and, and frankly, too convenient. That's called age-less and frankly, age-ready for all of us. We are going to continue the conversation with Dr. Joe of the MIT Age Lab in our next segment, focusing all about technology and independence. We hope you'll join us then. For what it's worth, I'll see you next time. <laughs>